GearWebsites.com is your source for firearms-based playing cards and books. We also have mugs, shirts, and posters with designs that we've made live. Of course, we have patches. Every Friday is Free Patch Friday. We appreciate your support. Thank you for shopping at GearWebsites.com. And welcome everybody to our daily gun show. Come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern, and we talk about guns for about an hour. I'm going to turn down my fan here, so we're back. If I can't even hear, then you can't hear. So uh, we go live each night at midnight Eastern. That way we don't share any time slots with anybody. We don't have to worry about anybody touching us with their shows. And we can go as long as we want. So our goal would be to be an overnight show, to go long format for a couple hours each night at least. And if you'd like to see that happen, head over to our Patreon. It's the way to subscribe to what we do. We've got a bunch of websites out there. We do some stuff on the socials, of course, every day. But we also create archives. We create uh, content and uh, we share what our Second Amendment protects, the community, the culture, the individuals, the industry, in lots of different ways over the years. So if you want to subscribe to what we do and keep what we've done up online and help us keep sharing it and then exploring more of it, then uh, jump on board. We're looking to get 300 Patreons to make it possible for us to go live all night long. Kind of like what Art Bell used to do. All right, with that being said, thanks to the folks that do join us live. Uh, we do record this, of course, send it out to different social media platforms and a couple of different video hosting platforms, but we appreciate the people that join us live. Our goal is not to get rich or famous on the internet, instead to play with the technology we've got available to us here as our First Amendment gives us the uh, right and the ability to do, protects our right and ability to do, to talk about what our Second Amendment protects. So uh, thanks to the people that show up live in the middle of the night to do that. It looks like DJ was the first one to show up tonight. Sandy loves the Pacific Northwest. That's a very specific area of the country to love. Uh, then we've got G23 who lives in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome. And looks like that's the only two people out there this evening. So it's going to be a private show for two dudes. So uh, if you're out there, we wouldn't know unless you say something. At this point, we've got two votes in our live poll. Oh, I guess I'm not screen sharing. So I'm going to bring Sharon out here, our guest. Screen Sharon, if you'll join us. And now, boom. Got my screen up there. It'll probably still work if I do that. And we look way over here to the right of the screen. I'll wiggle it for you. That is the poll. So I tell you what, if you're joining us tonight, 
the polls free. Yeah. I arranged it with Oprah. Normally, YouTube charges quite a bit of money to partake in the polls. However, Oprah suggested that we do the poll for free tonight because it's about Oregon. And uh, we took her up on that. So if you'd like to participate in the poll, head over, vote in it. Right now, you have a choice. You're going to determine what state we're going to talk about next week because each week we talk about a new state. That's how this little thing works. So uh, you're determining the fate of the show. The, the, you're determining the route we're going to take on this tour. And here's the four states you're going to be determined. You're going to be making this choice from Vermont, Vermont, however you want to pronounce that, Montana, 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 however you pronounce that, Washington. Washington, however you say that, New York, or New York, I don't know however you say that word. So those are the four of the states that you can vote on at this point. Montana has taken such a lead, I don't think it's possible for one of them other states to catch up. But we'll check back in on that later and find out. Look what else I got up on the screen right here. Guncalendars.com. It's one of our projects that we've uh, built. I don't even remember when we built this site. Want to go find out? Let's go find out. How would you know when a website is even built? So a site like guncalendars.com, daily firearm history and two-way events is the way it's described on the website there. Here's the link if you'd like to check it out. It'll be in the description of this video as well. One thing you can do is you can take the URL of the website and you can go way back. That's where you say, how far back? All the way back. And then go to the Wayback Machine why they always show hamburgers? You put in the URL of the web page you're curious about, you hit enter. It looks like we started guncalendars.com in 2013 is the first time that place seen it. What happened there? Oh no, that wasn't us. So it looks like somebody else owned it. And then in 2015, what happened? Oops, let's do this again. In 2015, what happened? Only got one snapshot of it in 2015. Hmm, that's when I had it already. So I wasn't doing nothing with it yet, but that's when we grabbed it. By 2016. Boom, now it's blue. So, and it has our logo on there. There you go. 2015 or 16. Then you get to 2020, and it starts to record what it actually looks like. Boom, the calendar, a bunch of stuff on it. So there we go, calendar, a bunch of stuff on it. There used to be an ad on it. You don't see that ad on it anymore because we've got Patreons. Thanks for the Patreons. Subscribe in what we do. Keep the server up there. Let us keep these kind of projects on the line. There you go. Uh, let's see. So, what else we got joining us tonight? Looks like I'm trying to remember where I was. Patriots out there. Good evening. Smeggy joined us. Welcome. Bishop Ammunition. Long time no see. Welcome. And thanks. That's everybody. So, thanks for everybody for saying hey. We're talking about 2A. So, on Tuesdays, we talk about 2A. Try to talk about an activist, an organization, and the state. Well, the state was already picked for you last week. Couldn't do nothing about it if you tried. We're talking about Oregon. But you can choose the activist and the organization if you're in here live, 
or I don't know, you could call me, I guess, or something. I don't know, just people calling me, but you could write it in the list links uh, in the description there, uh, put it on an Instagram link or something and then link it. But uh, if you're interested in suggesting a Second Amendment activist or an organization for us to dig into, let's throw it out there and uh, let's get started. So uh, first thing let's do is tell Sharon to get out of here. Out of here, Sharon. And put that back on. Pull this from back over there. Come back over to around here. And, oh, everything's all askew from looking at the puppy the other night. Let's get everything ready here so it's back to normal. And this is, uh, speaking of Minuteman University, a project we've uh, been able to work on over many years, thanks to our Patreons, where we attempt to provide skills and resources for Second Amendment activists, workshops, and archives of data. And uh, so it's a website, great. You know, websites are what they are. Some people like them, some people hate them, some people use them, some people don't. So a lot of data there. Leaving it on a website, it's kind of pointless. So how else can we use it? How else can we make use of it? Well, one way is to have a live stream daily and make use of the information that way. So we do that. Another way would be to publish things in real life. Pieces of paper, they tear down a tree, they smush it up, dry all that smush out, and then write stuff on it with chemicals, and boom, we got a book. So we took the information from the website, we uh, smeared it into a com computer, and then it uh, smeared it into a printer, and then that smeared it on some paper, and now we, here we have it. So today we're looking at Oregon. So that means I have to find it in the listing here alphabetically. Now, uh, I misprinted this one. That's why I use it. And because of that, there we go. I uh, have it all over the place. I feel like we've already done Oregon. Haven't we already done Oregon? I guess not. So here's what we did. We took each state, or we took that information from Minuteman University, and we kind of sorted it by state. We gave each state a page. So let's pick a state like Kentucky. It's got an entire page worth of information here. It has a state rifle. Uh, it's got the uh, flag and the state shape all combined up here. We talk about when they came into the union. If they've got a second amendment in their state constitution, we put that right at the top. Uh, for comparison, as you go through the book, you can kind of see the different states and their attitudes and uh, focus on the Second Amendment, uh, at least when they were created, I suppose. Uh, we talk about certain characteristics for each state, like their open carry status, concealed carry, constitutional carry, all that kind of stuff uh, towards the top. And then as you dig into the bottom, since I guess every state is different, we've got uh, the different stuff that they've either accomplished, done, you know, been the birthplace of or whatever has you. Some of the states just don't have so much stuff, or at least I couldn't find as much stuff. And when that's the case, we just squished them down a little bit and we put some other stuff on the page as well. And that's a bonus. So whenever we go through this show, the Daily Gun Show, on uh, Tuesdays, we pick a state and we go through the page here. And every once in a while, when a page state isn't a 2A enough to have a whole page, then uh, we have an opportunity to go look at something else. So we're going to be looking at a couple of things tonight. Got a mosquito flying around. Let's see if I can't just kill that real quick. It's the double-edged sword of opening the door. Let the cool in, well at least the non-hot in, and you let mosquitoes in as well. Well, uh, let's see. What's robots messing with you? Serious screwing your stuff up? Oh, yeah, that kind of robot's even worse than a regular robot. The brain robots are the worst kind of robots. Regular robot, at least you can knock it over. 
works a lot better video players i'm like what are you talking about i think you guys are just having a conversation out there okay so uh let's dig in so oregon we're over on the other side of the country from where it started so we're looking at the 33rd state admitted into the union in 1859 february 14th so that's interesting uh for those that are curious they got a tiny bit of a uh a uh panhandle kind of technically a little bit of a panhandle or i don't know if there's water there maybe it's a peninsula either way they're not a square they're not a complete rectangle uh let's see they do have a second amendment and it is part of their uh state constitution it's in article one some states have it like article nine but it's section 27, so it's good, but it's also way down at section 27. So it's super important, but it's number 27th in the list of importance. Uh, here's their second amendment. The people shall have the right to keep and bear arms for the defense of themselves and the state, but the military shall be kept in strict subordination to civil power. So what the hell does that mean? I don't know. But the military shall be kept in strict subordination to the civil power. I don't know what happened in Oregon, what they thought was going to happen in Oregon, but I guess why not write that in there? Seems kind of weird, but so now we got open carry without a permit. I'll take that. That's a good one. Concealed carry since 1989. Well done, Oregon. Shall issue also well done. I mean, they kind of have to now, but that was back before everybody had to. 257,000 permits. Well, here's the problem with Oregon. Out-of-state Oregon permits are essentially impossible to get, or at least they're super pain in the ass to get. So we're going to take a look. As I mentioned, some of the states don't fill up the entire page, so that gives us a chance to put some other data in there. And one of the charts we have is the number of CCWs per state, and because this thing is printed so poorly, I have to take a second to look for that. Here we go. So Oregon is, was in 2017. This book was printed in 2020. So this data is from 2017, the most current I was able to get. 250,000, 257,000 puts Oregon almost smack dab in the middle. Technically it could even be in the middle. So let me grab my gross screwdriver right here. Boom, there's Oregon, just above Connecticut. Can you imagine that Oregon and Connecticut, if you had to pick two states that had almost the same amount of CCW permits, would you think, oh, Connecticut and Oregon, for sure, almost the same number. I mean, they're a thousand off from each other. They might as well be the same number, crazy. Both of them are less than Iowa. Minnesota, okay, makes sense. Oklahoma, yeah, okay. South Carolina, I don't know. How many people are in South Carolina? I mean, I'm sure they're gun friendly, but I just didn't know there was that many people in South Carolina. I've never heard anybody get in a South Carolina out of state. So states bigger than Oregon include Arizona, Wisconsin, Colorado. Interesting. And then all the big ones, Massachusetts, bigger than Oregon. Would you have thought states that are littler than Oregon that don't have as much 2A as Oregon? Illinois, okay. Arkansas. Missouri, hmm, hmm, can start a fight. Uh, South Dakota, interesting. Well, probably because of the number of people. California, California 
had, maybe it's going to change quickly, but had 92,000 permits. Oregon, 256. Tiny little tiny state next to a giant, giant big state, three times the number of CCW permits. Well done, Oregon. Um, Maryland doesn't count. It's being mean. Uh, let's see. Montana, though. So Oregon can go around lording it over Montana, North Dakota, Nebraska, and Kansas. So I don't know. I don't know. I, where is Oregon population versus those other states? I don't know. So is it possible that Oregon's just way more 2A than some of the Midwest states? Uh, I'll make it a poll, maybe. Do we, have to, do we have to even make it a poll? All right, next, next is constitutional carry. Come on, Oregon. What's up with that? Why are we waiting around for constitutional carry? It feels like Oregon shouldn't be fighting that. I feel like that's Oregon's the kind of state that should have jumped right in the beginning of all that. That's what I feel like. Suppressors for hunting? Come on, we're in the same position. What's going on, Oregon? You could have done that a long time ago. I really feel like Oregon could have done that a long time ago. Uh, Woods is identifying this little nub as a peninsula. He's saying he lives in the area, so I'm going to take his word for it. We're looking at a peninsula there. If it's at a river peninsula, you know what I'm saying? River peninsula, really? It's all in the name. Ori gun. What? You get your guns from ore? You make them out of ore? All right, next is suppress. What well, you said for suppressor running? State firearm. None. What are we going to say? You know, I mean, Oregon's got the potential to be super pro 2A, but they're just setting, they've got a lot of layoff, a lot of stuff on the table, is all I'm saying. Constitutional carry should be a given. I feel like what happened to let's stay weird, Oregon or whatever. Come on. Suppressors for hunting? That makes no sense to me. No sense to me. That feels like Oregon. I feel like Oregon should have been one of the first states to champion suppressors for hunting. And state firearm? What would be the state firearm for Oregon? Interesting question. We'll see what people come up with. Uh, so next is the organizations, the uh, inventions, the manufacturers, the industry that's there. So we got Thunder Ranch. Uh, they started in Texas in 1993, but they moved to Oregon, and I did not put in here when. So I could go look that up, but I'm sure most people know about Thunder Ranch. Then we got Pacific International Trap Shooting Association, PETA. So they were like, we're going to make a shotgun organization, but we're going to make it after, we're going to name it after bread of some sort. And then there was a lot of English muffin suggestions, and there was a lot of names that would spell out, you know, croissant. But what they ended up with is PETA, Pacific International Trap Shooting Association. So what I, from what I understand, this was founded in 1931 in Portland. And because it was named that, they and they would make bread that was flat because they shoot shotguns and that was where pita bread was invented because people would go to the pita shoot and then they would be used to eating that bread there and then later on you know they quit going to that shoot maybe but they were like man you know what would be good with all this cucumber sauce some of that bread we used to get at the shotgun place what was the name of that place oh you mean the pacific international Traction association yeah and then they go to the store most people were like i ain't making that bread 
Then a bunch of Greek bakers were like, we'll make that bread for you. And then they took that to Greece and eventually it became the national bread of Greece. I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. Uh, Nosler began in 1948 in Bend, Oregon. So from what I understand, Nosler used to be straight, straight wild, uh, kind of like a tin can looking bullet, but then they're in Bend, so they bent over the end. I don't know. I mean, it's all I got because Oregon's only got like eight things. Kimber was there for a while from 1979 to 1989, then they booked it out of there. What's up with that? Why'd they leave Oregon? Then you got Calico. Everybody knows them from the movies. Helical magazines, kind of cool. They started out in California in 1982. Then in 1998, they moved to Nevada. Why? Why would you think people would move out of California? Because of their horrible infringements on requirements of safeties and um, mechanical operation of pistols. So it wouldn't work for Calico. They booked it. Moved to Nevada. Must not have been good for them because in 2006, they moved to a place called Hillsborough, Oregon. Now Calico's up in Oregon, making helical mags, pretty neat. You've got KidSafe, which was founded in 2015. Uh, yeah, I don't know what SAFE stands for, but something about uh, giving kids awareness and um, familiarization with firearms. Uh, Derek gives them like a, what is that called? Like a bouncy house looking thing, an inflatable BB gun range. Uh, so kids are able to actually shoot, some, shoot something that has some consequence. So they're able to have, enjoy it and have some fun, but also understand the responsibility and it's not just a, a game type of thing or a nerf type of thing kind of a cool organization from what i understand and i uh, was heading into washington and california and other places when he's able all right so we're not getting a lot of interaction tonight because it's a sort of stunning lecture about oregon so now we're going to go on to the other chunk of this page which is hunting organizations so I'm super knowledgeable about hunting and I hunt all the time. So this is super easy for me. I just decided to do a bunch of research and this is all going to be super good research and super good information. It's probably not wrong at all, but it might be wrong. So from what I could tell, there are some different hunting organizations. And I think this would probably be interesting for somebody who's <clears throat> both 2A and into hunting, because I think there's a lot of 2A to pull out of this. If this is a damp washcloth of 2A, all I did is dip the washcloth into hunting and got it all damp. Somebody can come along here and wring it out, get all kinds of 2A out of here, right? Maybe a sponge, whatever you want to consider it. But I got the thing all damp. It's up to you if you want to pull some 2A out of here. We got done 1887, the Boone and Crockett Club was started in Missoula, Montana. Then you've got 1911. So what happened between 1887 and 1911, the 1903... Uh, militia act so that's when the military said hey everybody sucks at shooting so why don't we get them all guns so they can go shooting and encourage that so then by 1911 which is also when shotgun was invented shotgun shooting somewhere in theirs was invented somewhere in there i think um you get the delta waterfall foundation in bismarck north dakota so wonder why it started in north dakota was it some fight about canada about rights you know i mean Sure, they migrate through there, but they migrate through the whole country. So why did it start in North Dakota? Uh, then you've got Ducks Unlimited starting in 1927 in Memphis, Tennessee. Who would have thought Ducks Unlimited would start in Memphis? 
Then you got the International Hunters Education Association in Denver, Colorado back in 1949. So think about 1949, the war is over and nothing with, you know, with guns or nothing with uh, any kind of, not that I'm aware of, any kind of anti-gun shit happening in 34, some shit happened. But out of nowhere in 1959, an International Hunter Education Association starts up with 55,000 volunteers. Wouldn't that be interesting to know more about that? You've got the Ruffled Grouse Society, which are fake. They're not even a thing. That started in Pennsylvania in 1961. I feel bad for those people because those are fake. Uh, Pope and Young Club started in Minnesota in 1961 also. There, there are such a thing as deers or whatever, though. So Boone and Crockett is Daniel Boone and fucking Davy Crockett, for crying out loud. So that's people that are out hunting for real, right? Like, for real. Then you got Pope and Young, and I, I think that's how it went down. And then you got Pope and Young, and they're like, oh, we like to hunt fancy for just the fancy deers with the most little things on them. So that's when you start scoring, I think. Like Boone and Crockett is just doing a lot of killing, and Pope and Young is killing the pretty stuff. Is that how it works? I'm not totally sure how it works. Then you get the Safari Club International. That's in Tucson, Arizona. You might think that's really cool because it's a Safari Club International. It's literally a museum full of stuffed animals. So it is a club and they do stuff and they have a museum and it's full of stuffed animals. I guess they're mounts. I've never actually been in it. it sounds kind of creepy, but I haven't been in it. Uh, it might be really neat. You got the National Wild Turkey Federation, uh, 1973. So that was made in South Carolina with 250,000 members. So wild turkey, how many people are confused and thought it was for drinking? Right? They joined, oh, wait a minute, this is for birds? I don't even get this. The birds don't give us, do they milk the birds? Like, how does that work? And then they figure out there's no whiskey and they leave. Or is there that many people hunting turkey? Turkey's gross. Why do people want to eat that much turkey? And if there's that many people hunting turkey, why aren't they extincted? What part of Oregon? Oh, you guys are talking about us. So then we got... Um, Wild Sheep Foundation, Bozeman, Montana. That makes more sense to me because I could see sheep hunters are a different breed. Like not that many people are going to walk up and hunt a sheep. You walk up there and the sheep is inevitably on some other hill and you're walking a lot. A lot of walking for that. So I could see those people being individual and wanting to do their own thing and not be concluded in some kind of deer club or whatever. Plus, you got to kind of pick up sheep and take them to other places. And by 1974, they were doing that in helicopters. And who doesn't want to be involved in moving sheeps around in helicopters? Uh, then you got the Rocky Mountain Bighorn Society because effectively a bunch of people were like, you can't use my helicopter to drag your sheeps around. Well, mine are called bighorn sheeps. And then they're like, all right, well, fine. So you get your own helicopters. So that took a year. And now we have two organizations, one from Montana and one from Colorado, literally just helicopter and sheep around. But whatever. So then we get Quail Unlimited. Here's this. Here's the intrigue. 1981, and everybody knows what Quail Unlimited is, right? It was sort of a household word until 2013 when they got shut down. And I think there was something beyond that, behind that. That was also in South Carolina. Is it a coincidence? I don't know. Then you got Whitetails Unlimited. What's up with that? Now everybody's going to start be calling themselves Unlimited. I guess so. 114,000 members, and they're in Wisconsin, which makes sense. There's a lot of whitetails, an unlimited supply of whitetails. I don't know about that. 
I feel like there's more whitetails in Iowa and Illinois and Indiana because of the soya beans. It's not like they're feeding on cheese in Wisconsin, but then you got pheasants forever. 145,000 members in Minnesota. I don't know. Is there pheasants in Minnesota? I don't believe that's appropriate. Dallas Safari Club is in Dallas. That's appropriate. Also in 1982. Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Missoula, Montana, 1984. All right. I guess I will take that one. Um, elks are okay. 220,000 members of that one. Then we get to 1988. Remember 1988? Some of you do, some of you don't. That's when the Mule Deer Foundation was created in Salt Lake City, Utah. Not to be outdone, Quality Deer Management Association was created in Bogart, Georgia. So here's Mule Deer Foundation being created in Utah. And then Georgia's like, let me create Quality Deer Management Association in Bogart. That happened. Then 2013, Quail Unlimited is minding its business, doing its thing. Quail Forever comes along, 2005, in Minnesota, eight years later, Quail Unlimited is gone. No one talks about any of this stuff. Um, here's the deal. I, talk, I, I constantly worry about hunting. All I ever do is worry about hunting and think about hunting, and hunting is all I research and care about. So for some reason, I haven't heard much about these things somehow. So I don't know if people talk about all these things a lot and I'm the only one who doesn't know about them. Or is there a lot of stuff to bite your teeth into here? Let's say you're some kind of a content creator who's going through some sort of a weird mid-channel crisis where you don't know what you want to do with your channel, right? You want to do something two-way. You want to do something that's worthwhile, but you're sick of doing the same old, same old. You're sick of dressing up like all the other girls and dancing. So maybe you dig into these hunting organizations and you figure out which one of them started the blaze orange thing that the NSSF takes credit for. Because I'm sure one of these ones came up with the actual idea. Which one of these organizations was created by a couple of people and then became big? Which one of these was engineered by a bunch of exploiters and was used to outwit some of the other ones off the playing field, right? There's got to be some intrigue here. So, uh, Maybe there's something there. Maybe there ain't. Maybe it has something to do with 2A. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe hunters have fought for land rights and the ability to hunt, uh, wildlife management, and predators, and seasons, shared use with public land, Spider-Man, and you know what I'm saying? Hunters have done a lot. What do they get credit for? Nothing. What do they get called? Fuds and losers and jerks and old people. You know, that's all I'm saying. So we want everybody to be together and cool, but then we talk shit about them and say the shotguns are lame. Just saying. So uh, we could have some outreach to hunters, maybe, or our hunters written off. Can't can't work with them. They're not interested in two way. They're they're too easy to compromise. They flip over like a hogmouth snake as soon as gun control comes along. That's the controversial part. That's why we put it in there. But. Uh, you know, even though we have the answers, we're not going to put them in the book. We'll let you come up with the answers for yourselves in your conversations out there. So let's talk about this slot for Oregon. Uh, nothing in life is free. I don't get to spend as much time as I'd like working on nerdy 2A stuff like this. So I have to steal the time away, literally, from my own credit cards. So I offered uh, 
uh, uh, threw a life raft out there and said, hey, does anybody want to help me spend some time on this? And I believe Woods and somebody and another person who I don't know who these people are, so I don't want to just start using their names. But I'm pretty sure that one is Woods. There are three people that are noted here in the spine and the fold section so that they're not you know, obnoxiously right in the middle of everything. But then on another section of one of the pages, we made a little chart here that indicated which folks participated in the crowdfunding to create time and the learning curve I had to create. I'm still learning how to put these books together. But uh, a bunch of people uh, sponsored pages in this book. That's the way we did the crowdfunding. So thanks to Brian, Scott, and Tim for sponsoring Oregon. Little did you know that years later, we'd be having a Daily Gun Show episode, what is this, 1,380 something? 1,387, almost 1,400 episodes, which is almost 1,500 episodes, which might as well be 2,000 episodes, which is literally almost 5,000 episodes, which is more episodes than anyone's ever done a podcast. So, you know, we're basically the largest podcast that's ever happened. And we just read this during that podcast. So thanks to those three people for that. Appreciate it. Oh, let's bring Karen back in here so that it, uh, the camera can take a break. And we can bring, or I mean, Sharon, excuse me, not Karen. Karen, get out of here. We want Sharon to come in. There she is. And there. So as soon as I did that, I'm going to pull this out of the way. I have to kill a mosquito again. Uh, G23 says, hunters are responsible for Batman. What's up with that? How do you say that? Why do you say that? situation okay so uh patriot is saying i have a contact at safari club international for a sh uh, disabled shooting camp but not in africa interesting um like you got a slot or you just know somebody who uh needs slots filled type of thing we know a couple of, I'm aware of a couple of organizations that are doing stuff uh, veteran related, but uh, not so much hunting. I'm aware of the hunting ones, but the people that I follow aren't specifically focused on hunting necessarily, unless you're talking like, you know, somebody who goes on a hunting trip, but uh, very cool. I imagine depending on what kind of situation you're dealing with or where you're at in your whole system, you know, your whole life or whatever, uh, a hunting trip specifically could be really, really useful and beneficial, right? Um, very much so. Let's see. Oh, Bishop Ammunition is saying, people don't realize how many firearms parts are made in California, Oregon, and Washington. Yeah, I've attempted... I'm gonna, I got the window still open. I'm going to go over to Minuteman. I don't really know how much I've been able to put on Minuteman. Most of it is in the book, uh, 50, well, not 50 states, in the in the big one, the 2A resource handbook, which was the biggest attempt so far to put everything from Minuteman, everything from the resource side of Minuteman. So literally everything in this list, in well, this list from here down in one book. And it, I did it. It's in about, a, what, 50 pages, 100 pages, I don't remember. But uh, in there somewhere, I found, or I have a couple of pages where I attempted to have the stuff from California, Oregon, and Washington, well, the stuff per state. And uh, it's 
it's dense. There's definitely a lot of it. Oh, so I guess I was going to look in here and see what I've got for industry. So coming down into lobby, activists, industry, firearms manufacturers. So I've got them listed chronologically just because there's too many. I don't have enough time and it's really not a resource for manufacturers. They can, they should be able to archive their own histories, but where they become interesting, where they interact with our states and with our organizations and with this kind of stuff, like how many FFLs there are. For a while there, the only FFLs we had were, this, were the manufacturers, right? So uh, now closer and closer to having, you know, the internet and having more ability to decentralize the whole thing. Uh, there's more and more of those people wanting to be an FFL out of their home or their garage or their part of their business, like a, an office out of their business. So yeah, I guess I could go in and do something like this. We just click on California over at Minute Man, and we're going to see things like seeing, well, let's click on Oregon since that's the state we're talking about. So is Oregon big enough state to be listed in our bubble here? So the way, if you don't know what these bubbles are, when you have a project like Minuteman or something else that's giant and awesome and big, it's going to have so many things in it that there's just no possible way for a regular human. Robot could do it, but a regular human is never going to know how much stuff is in there. I built it and I don't even know how much stuff is in there. It's just not possible to remember it all. So the robots can remember everything because they're magic. And immediately they can tell you in this bubble the most used things. So obviously this site is sexist. It's way female heavy. Look how many times female is used. So many times that it's the biggest word on here. Also California, bloated word, meaning Arizona or California is used probably too often in here. Georgia, I don't know. Arizona, man, it's okay. Pistol, kind of too many times. Oregon, didn't even make the list, man. Come on, man. So I can go to the category list, and I don't see Oregon in there either. So what I have to do is find an organization that is in Oregon, which would be, I guess I can just type Oregon. So we're searching for Oregon and then, oh, look, these are just a whole bunch of times that Oregon comes up in the list. Interesting. Okay, KidSafe is in Oregon. So now I can just click Oregon and now I'll see a filtered list of everything that has a tag Oregon and not just everything that has a word Oregon in it. So we got KidSafe, which stands for, come on, I didn't write it in here. I guess I didn't write it in here. Then we got off Oregon Firearms Federation. So no compromise, Second Amendment organization in Oregon. And I must not have known about it or put it into the book because I didn't have it in the thing, did I? I don't remember saying it. Uh, Calico, we talked about the Calico company moved to Oregon. Kimber, we talked about that. Derek is from KidSafe, so we talked about him. Then you got Clint Smith from Thunder Ranch. He's an instructor. Uh, let's see. He was a police officer in Indiana. Then he attended Gunsight in 1978. Then he started teaching at Gunsight in 1979 as one of their first instructors. He was a full-time instructor at Gunsight with Jeff Cooper from 1980 to 1983, at which time he started International Training Consultants. 
I think that was in Texas. He traveled and uh, trained DEA agents and stuff like that. In 1984, he started an urban rifle course and then uh, started training for H&K in 1986. So in 1993, uh, he started Thunder Ranch and um, he had attempted to buy gun site, but Cooper didn't sell it to him or something happened. I don't know. And then uh, so he started Thunder Ranch. And then in 2004, they relocated Thunder Ranch to Oregon. So that's where Oregon comes into it. And uh, one of the quotes by Clint Smith is, repetition is the mother of skill. Nosler, the men, we mentioned the bullet manufacturer whose tagline is quality first, started in Bend, Oregon in 1948. Uh, after an unsuccessful moose hunt in 1946, Nosler decided to develop a new bullet because, of course, it was the bullet's fault. Uh, using a specifically designed jacket, including two separate lead alloy cores. Interesting. Uh, he then began to sell the bullets commercially, forming the Nosler Partition Bullet Company in Ashland. Then he moved to a 6,000 square foot company 10 years later, or a 10,000 square foot building 10 years later. Norma became Nosler's first commercial loader in 1963. And by 1969, Nosler Partition became Nosler Bullets. Uh, keep going and keep going and keep going. They created some reloading guides. And then it moved to, in 2020, it moved to Redmond. You got PETA, International Pacific International Trap Suiting Association. I forgot to include the stuff about the pita bread in here, but there's also a long history of pita bread starting in 1931. And uh, the country of Greece is very grateful that PETA, the shotgun organizations in Oregon, created the bread for them. All right, so then we're scrolling back up to the top because aside from off, we already knew all this stuff. This was all going over what we already knew, but that's what we're doing. We take the information from Minuteman, we shove it onto a piece of paper, just like if you printed it, and that way you got it handy, and we can use it for shows like this one. But you're right, there's a bunch of, hold on, is that a cricket? thing was not flying like a fly. Right now I'm at war with cricket. So if that was a cricket, I'm stopping everything and destroying this cricket. Um, there's quite a few or pieces of industry in uh, the east, the west coast. Let's see. Reading through the comments here. Oh, okay. So they've got a place in Michigan where they go hunting. Right on. Still don't know why uh, hunters are responsible for Batman. Let's see. Ting Ting is saying that. Uh, are you looking talking about communists? I don't know. DJ has posted the number for the Capitol switchboard. Yeah, it's 2A Tuesday. So if you feel like calling the senators and letting them know that it's intolerable to have them wield an unconstitutional assault weapons ban around, like if it's something they have the authority or the uh, ability to do without repercussions and consequences politically. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Probably worth calling. So thanks for dropping that number. Corn dog was invented in Oregon. 
find that so hard to believe. I, that's There's no way. All right, we're going to find this out right now. So first off, it's not two-way related, but corn dog. Everyone know corn dog is a burrito. Invented. See, I'm putting in corn dog invented. We'll see what happens. We'll see. I'm going to Wikipedia. We all know that if it's on Wikipedia, it's accurate. They don't put stuff on Wikipedia unless it's accurate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Newly arrived German immigrants in Texas. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 Here we go. A number of current corn dog vendors clam responsibility for the invention or popularization of the corn dog. Some dude state fair of texas between 1938 and 42 or rockaway beach oregon claims to have invented it in 1939 cozy place in springfield illinois claims to have served him in 19 oh what the hell oh i came i came along 12 years later and invented them what are they stupid i don't even why is okapedia even put that one in here um and then some other person says also in 1946. So you can't come along in 1946 and say you invented something that two people already invented in 1939. So here's what I see. A state fair is bullshit. Anybody can do anything at a state fair. That's not inventing it. That's just doing something. Having a store and doing it is inventing something. That's what I'm saying. Do, do Pulling some stunt at a state fair is equivalent to just being crazy that's not establishing a procedure it's just doing a, an instance so if in fact something happened in texas where somebody accidentally dropped something into something and something else happened near a fryer that's here nor there there was no video of this i don't remember seeing any instagrams of this but uh if we have a real restaurant in a state that doesn't have a panhandle so it has a tiny peninsula. But again, highly suspect that a state with a panhandle claims that it came up with something but doesn't have much more proof than, you know, no Instagram posts or anything. Uh, it says corn dogs are served as a street food. Yeah, right. All right. So uh, we're going to assume that that might be correct. Uh, let's see. The bread pita. Oregon allows hunting with suppressors, so there's no infringement on hunting with a suppressor? Okay. All right, well, so with that, uh, no one recommended a Second Amendment advocate today. No one recommended an organization today. I'm not saying that the audience is lazy or that they hate activists or organizations. I'm just saying they overlooked it. They were too busy. They were too distracted doing other things in the middle of the night for the last 47 minutes to have recommended even one organization i'm looking to make sure i'm not wrong probably not wrong though so i skimmed this once or twice earlier looking uh let's see nothing here about everybody saying hello to each other do 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 oh do we say hey to gizzard gizzard doesn't stay up this late all the time good evening and then looking uh, if I missed anybody, Woods is out there. 
Um, what part of Oregon? We don't know. And then Ting Ting. I don't know if I said hey to Ting Ting. So we do have a bunch of people jumping in. Still, no one said anything about an organization or a 2A activist. So what I'm going to do is just go into the book and pull some randomly here. Real chili don't have beans. I don't even know. Never been the biggest worrier about chili. It's sort of like soup to me. Like, you know, somebody's claiming all soup is the same. There's chicken soup. There's minestrone soup. They're both soups. So there's a lot of different chilies. There's not just like a chili. Um, let's see. So I'm going to flip back over to this. Uh, Sharon, you can leave. And now we'll do this. There we go. So here's how we're going to do this. Oh, you know what we can do? I was just playing D&D the other day. Let's go get some dices. So on Saturdays, I hang out with a dude named Tony from New Jersey and a dude named Clover from Texas, Tejas. And we answer the gun questions. AskGunQuestions.com is a website that we built back in 2007. And since then, for the last 15 years, people have been able to ask questions of simple to advanced nature, and we attempt to answer them in different ways over the years. Join us now as we start a new series to answer gun questions. Uh, if you got some kind of nerd issues, you're going to want to close your eyes or turn off the camera or not listen to anything. This is, you've never seen this. Uh, let's see. I think I lost my 30 caliber clip. All right, we'll grab a 20. No. 18. Twelve. No, that's twenty. All right. So, how many pages are in this? Fifty-two. So now we've got a twenty and a twenty. No, I need a ten. What does a 10 look like? It kind of looks like two umbrellas hanging out with each other. So now we have three, nine, and three. So 15. This will be the, this, got it. This will be the activist. Damn it. Stupid Idaho. So five, five, and four is 14. So that's the, this page will be the activist. All right. We get uh, Julianne, Julie, Jana Lee. Oh, it's probably Jana Lee. Tobias. Right on. So that'll be our Activist of the day. Let's chat about her. I don't know if I should fix my box of dice or if I should leave it all old like that. 
So uh, from what I remember, this one I'm going to have to remember for a while. So we got Jana Lee. I believe that's how you say that. Tobias. Women Against Gun Control. South Jordan, Utah. 1993. Think about that. 1993. Women Against Gun Control. 1994 assault weapons ban. 1996 Nix. 1998 other bullshit. 1993 women against gun control. Not women for guns or women that don't like the way purses are or some other crap. Women against gun control in Oregon, uh, Utah. So you know I'm doing my bit, minding my business, trying to research uh, two A ladies. And I found uh, Jana Lee. So uh, kudos to her. I don't know much about her other than there's some articles from back in the day in Utah about her starting the organization. And, uh, you know, in 93, that was kind of the beginning of the concealed carry movement. And she's probably coming from the lake of, or the, the, What's the word like the the peers? I don't know if it's a peer, but the time frame of Quix, Paxton Quigley and um um let me look from Texas the lady from Texas um I can't think of her name. I can't think of a lady from Texas his name. Susanna Hupp. Apologize for that. So I'm thinking she's probably in that era. Let's see what Susanna Hupp's. 1996 to 2007, she was in the state house. So this might have even been pre-Susanna Hupp. How cool is that? Uh, let's see. If you read back up the list, I mentioned an activist. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. Oh, DJ mentioned one too. Here's the deal. I didn't see any of them, so that's what happened. Okay, so you said Ken Blanchard. I think we already may have talked about Ken Blanchard, but if we went to Virginia... So, I need to just print another one of these already because it's going to be annoying trying to find things. Um, why isn't he in here? Isn't he in Virginia? Yeah, he's in Virginia. For some reason, I didn't put him in here. But um, yeah, why didn't I put him in here? Is he not in Virginia? He might be in D.C. or something. So anyway, uh, uh, Ken Blanchard is an awesome dude, CIA, um, firearms instructor, author, and activist from the 90s, still same era as Jana Lee. And, man, I'm trying to remember what his instigation was. Uh, his was a little later. It was in the, after the 80s. But, uh, no, his was a little later. So I think his was instigated by the uh, 94 assault weapons ban and that kind of infringements, but uh, inspirational for a whole bunch of us. I wouldn't have started doing stuff without Ken and soldier systems 
and Oleg Bolk, if those people weren't doing awesome work on the internet in the 90s, I wouldn't have bothered understanding that there was more to add, right? That there was useful, relevant information to put on the internet, because that's all I was interested in doing. And uh, once I could see you could do gun stuff, it was Ken and Oleg and soldier systems that probably were the ones that got me going. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he's had since then a second edition of the book and I guess barbecue, I don't know if he's still doing it or not, but he was going to be reading that book. And then, uh, uh, of course, he inspired uh, Rick Ector in Detroit and a couple other people along the way and was the first guest. Ken Blanchard was the first guest for uh, Gun Freedom Radio when Cheryl Todd decided to start interviewing people. Ken Blanchard was the first guest and Ken Blanchard was the first um, Second Amendment guest on Riding Shotgun with Charlie, the first person that Riding Shotgun Charlie had on that wasn't just a friend of his or a guitar friend or something like that. So uh, pretty cool uh, influence out there and he continues to continue to do his own thing he likes playing guitar he has this puppet that he plays with he rides a motorcycle uh he's doing this whole thing while taking care of his wife who's been having you know it's their business but uh having situations that required um you know kind of attention that a lot of people would uh would not continue to do work and share um, with others so yeah, Ken's inspiration continues to be an inspiration and continues to do uh, amazing stuff. Then you got Rebecca Schmoy uh, from DJ, who is uh, gonna be on with Clover, it looks like in a few weeks, I think. And uh, running for office, One Million Moms Against Gun Control. She's probably in DC right now with the DC project, uh, hanging out, uh, getting ready, to sort of meeting with, uh, some representatives and hanging out with each other. The ladies from the DC project are hanging out with each other and uh, kind of preparing for their conversations and their meetings with uh, the various representatives in the next days or so before they have their rally at the Capitol on uh, Friday? No, whatever the 16th is. Yeah, maybe that's Friday. So, uh, I don't know what else to say about Rebecca Schmoy. She's got a lot going on, and I don't have all that memorized. Then DJ put a girl and a gun in here, and we've probably talked about that one before. So I'm gonna look and see if there's any others. Reading clear dice after they lose their infill is a pain in the ass. I use my finger, but I guess if you did it a different way, that's up to you, man. That's cool. Everybody can read their dice the way they want to read it. Uh, using light reflection to read them is what I did. I have an intern. I would just have a Dungeons and Dragons intern. I would hold the dice up and they would tell me the number I needed to hear. Uh, let's see. Green can around for touch-ups. If you read, back up the list. Okay, so then I think Women Against Gun Control was a woman who lost her mom. And that was... Uh, Susanna Hupp. She didn't start an organization. She ran for Texas Senate or something and uh, lobbied for concealed carry, period, but concealed carry specifically in, in Texas and was not successful, but was successful in inspiring and 
you know, sometimes by doing and not succeeding, you inspire others to pick up the baton, and she certainly accomplished that. Uh, but she also got ran through the ringer uh, for having the audacity to be a female who stepped outside the norm and did what she felt instead of what she was told to do. So uh, different ladies, and like I said, Susanna Hupp ran for Congress a couple of years after 93, so I'm thinking that I'm not, I don't remember when, the, I don't look, I don't list the atrocities if I can help it, unless I have to. I list the uh, consequences and the positive results, but uh, the atrocities, I don't get a lot of, I don't think there's, well, I don't, I don't keep track of all of them. Certainly not by top of my head, but because uh, I don't remember what year Luby's was, but whatever year it was, I suspect it might have got uh, women against gun control. But no, Susanna never created an organization that I'm aware of. Uh, Illinois, I don't know why you're putting Illinois in there. That's a long time ago. Uh, let's see. Okay, I'm out. 43 is awful early. Oh, probably means 0430. Yeah, no worries. So um, in the, the free zones, that's gun-free zones, that's where we can win, right? We've got a lot of potential there for awareness and understanding. Once people see um, that they're, they're being upset is ineffective on both sides, they're going to potentially either walk away and just be satisfied to have not made any kind of communication effort, or they're going to attempt to communicate. And as more and more people attempt to communicate, doesn't matter, look, I can use dice for this. Normally I would use a dog whiteboard, but I'll use these dice. So here's this people on one side, here's people on the other side. So if they can agree to uh, listen to each other, then when they come back, they got a better understanding of each side. If they just stand over here and yell at each other, nothing happens. So uh, the gun-free zones is one of those things where when we're standing over here yelling at each other, never going to get anything accomplished. But we got more and more people, including the DC project up there, willing to come together and stand like this. Not like you're going to the other side. You're just standing there and talking to each other, but in a way that you're understanding the other person. You've you've gone and met them more than halfway. Not way the fuck over here, but just more than halfway. This is halfway. Like, fuck you, fuck you, I hate you. Look at my rights, look at my property. I don't like what you hate. This is like, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, I got you. All right. Like, I don't get it. I don't fucking love your shit anymore. But look, okay, I got it. All right, I see what you're saying. So this is what we don't need. This is what we got. And there's people that are be like, tell them you said this. Tell them you said this. Tell them you hate this. Tell them you hate this. Remember how you told me you hate this? And then what happens? Here, I'll show you exactly what happens. Here is exactly, exactly what happens. These people are minding their business. This little king motherfucker right here is the 14th richest guy on the planet. And this is some lady from Monsanto who gets paid to act like she's grassroots. She gets paid to stand here and go, fuck you. And then this guy's like, hey, fuck you, fuck you. And this guy's like, tell her she's a jerk. Tell her I don't like her clothes or something. And then this guy's eventually like, fuck this. This ain't working. So they go, fuck all this. And they walk over here. And then this guy's like, she still says, because this guy's like, Here's $200,000, say they're dicks. And then she goes, you're a dick. And then this guy goes, what? Oh, well, you're not a, I'm not a dick. And then this person's like, tell her she's a jerk. Blah, 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 blah. 
blah, 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 fuck this. And this guy's like, do, 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 blah, 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 right? Sorry, blah, 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 suckers, suckers, which side of the pile are you on? Or you cannot play this whole fucking game right here. You cannot play this whole fucking game right here. And there's other ways to address this situation than getting all in the fucking right here. Did that illustrate it pretty good? Sorry for that. I'm sure that didn't illustrate it to Patriot very good. Bunch of dices. It's mostly just six-sided dices from games and stuff. I just put them all in that box. But there's a couple of D&D ones in there, too. I used to have a 30, but it rolled away, I think. I was using it for a video one time, and I'm almost positive it just rolled away. 30s are essentially a rubber ball or a plastic ball. They barely have any flat sides. All right, well, so that was an uh, illustration using D&D dice of the current state of 2A and the mechanism where a bunch of people are making a bunch of money. Oh, there's nobody watching this, so nobody even seen that happen. So I don't have to worry about offending anybody. A whole bunch of people are going to go, oh, shit, I'm the one guy. Oh, no, I'm the other guy. So uh, let me close this and move this over. And I guess we'll wrap it up. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. This was probably one of the least effective audio ones because I kept using dice at the end there as a visual aid. But I pretty much solved 2A at the end there. So thanks for the suggestions on the organization. Oh, wait, did I even talk about an organization? I guess I uh, got ahead of myself here. I guess we'll go with a girl and a gun because nobody else suggests anything. So thanks to DJ for that. Oh, I guess I should be bringing Sharon in here. Oh, wait, Sharon in here again. Thank you. And then we'll go to a minute, man. And we'll go to gun owners rights groups. These are chronologic. So the first ones were the olden days and then you get into the seventies because there wasn't nothing for a while. They didn't need to be nothing. So there was nothing, and then there was 1870s. Then there was a couple when the uh, uh, Militia Act of 1903 created the State Rifle Association. Some of those started. Eventually, you get some more organizations that pop up, collectors groups. See the couple of collectors groups here, some shooting organizations. Finally, an industry organization. Then NSSF, another industry organization. You had a couple of uh, industry kind of agreements to use the same sizes and things like that to kind of let the industry develop. But anyway, you get into the 70s and then uh, you get into the 90s. So now you have concealed carry happening. In the 70s, it was pre pre predominantly hunter's rights and the 1968 Gun Control Act that pissed people off. You had a little bit of uh, competitive shooting and stuff happen, but for the most part, it was just people complaining about the uh, 1968 Gun Owners Protection Act. So then uh, you have some, some organizations that get spawned in the uh, 70s from that. Then you have an era of in the 80s where those organizations from the 70s were ineffective. What? What? What are you talking about? Organizations that were 10 years old and said they were going to do stuff were not effective enough and more people started new organizations. What? So that happened. And now you got JPFO, you got the Firearms Coalition, you've got, uh-oh, Women Against Gun Control. Look it. So maybe that was spawned by a 
frustration and the ineffectiveness of the organizations at the time in the 80s. It's amazing. It's almost like we go through waves and cycles. Uh, I've got a couple of state level organizations when the um, CDC started to abuse their funding and their focus. Uh, the Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership was created. You got the first Citizens Defense League in Virginia created in the night in the mid 90s. You get a cup Maryland shall issue 1995, right? So you get some organizations that decide it's time to start thinking about constitutional or start to think about uh, concealed carry and organizations to get created to provide that. By 2000, now you're talking internet is a thing and people know what it is and they're using it. And you're outside of AOL, you're starting to just go to your own browsers. It was Netscape and that kind of stuff back then. So you get organizations that pop up because of the internet. Uh, and then you get um, associations, well, Let's just say you got some of the ones that exist that people are aware of and make $16 million a year that no one's ever heard of uh, that come up at a time when you could create an organization that could bring in $16 million a year and no one's ever heard of it because they don't have to prove themselves. They just have to market. Then you have some organization. Well, shit, you have quite a few of those actually. Shit, I never put it in perspective like that before. It is what it is. It's history. So then you get some collectors organizations and then you start to see some state level organizations, again, probably frustrated by the lack of uh, effectiveness of the, of the state level organizations or I should say regional national level organizations that kind of came along at the beginning of the internet. So now you see organizations while the internet is starting to get faster that start to kick in at the state level to address issues for carry and rights. And somewhere in here is when you get um, this you know, Arizona Citizens Fence League, the Buckeye, Georgia Carry. This is when you get Appleseed. Uh, you get Students for Concealed Carry. OpenCarry.org was such an amazing resource back in the day. That kind of created back then. And then you have a little period of time when mm, Concealed Carry was rocking. This is a time when the 380 was overtaken the 25 H&R Magnum for the tiny concealed carry and car existed. Um, people were just figuring out you could take videos at SHOT Show and you get state level organizations that are taking responsibility and acting on the gaps left behind by the state level organizations that had come up just years before and the national or regional level organizations that had come up a generation before. Your Armed Citizens Legal Defense League and uh, Liberal Gun Club uh, and stuff like that. So then you get uh, some more state level organizations come along and by 2010 you have fast internet. Everyone's familiar with video online and people are starting to be more and more familiar with uh, using the internet to gather and have effective groups uh, from all over the country be productive in a, you know, in a direction online. So you start to see some organizations develop from in, in the internet from what, you know, with the, the shells of the husks of what was already there. And somewhere in there is where Girl in a Gun comes from. So that's the organization we're talking about today. But instead of just talking about them, I wanted to put them 
in perspective. So there's been waves. I talk about the waves of activism, the waves of people's interest in participation, the consequences to abuse, the consequences to marginalization, the consequences to freedom. One thing I didn't mention at the end of 2004, we saw the end of the assault weapons ban. So you saw a lot of organizations that existed online to exploit during a time of stress and concern that were getting huge because they were able to take marketing practices from uh, the days of magazine articles and cassette tapes and apply them to the internet, uh, paid, uh, well, there's lots of, you know, they're there, you can go look them up. So there's those organizations get created uh, by multi-level marketers, let's just, we know what it is. And, uh, and that was the era of that. So again, that kind of time frame means that everybody's, there's a reaction to that. That stuff happens and people say, no, we're done with that. And that's when you see girl in a gun happen. So, you know, can you tell when something's valid or not because of when it was created? No, not necessarily, but if everything created at a time was invalid and lame and then a wave of stuff that was massive and amazing was created after it, I'm not it's just the way history happens. I mean, all I did is put it in one place. I didn't edit the dates that they were existed. All I'm doing is putting some perspective on it. So yeah, girl in a gun came along and probably again, frustrated by the lack of potential that was out there, lack of opportunities that they had. There was shoot like a girl and there still is shoot like a girl. It's a bit more hunting and uh, multifaceted focused than uh, a girl in a gun club, which is more of a female focused uh, competition thing. Did they steal our logo? Yeah, they totally stole our logo. Are we going to sue them for it when they get big enough? Yes, we're definitely going to sue it for them. See what about it? Uh, but till then, they can use our logo, I guess. Uh, let's see. So then after that, you get a couple of other organizations. Wow, I never looked at it this way before, but you have... Definitely, you can, it's like CSI. You can CSI the, the stress and the tension that we've had as a gun community and an industry and as gun owners. And you can see the, the constriction and the, and the relief and the tension and the exploitation and the, uh, and the uh, reaction to that exploitation by looking at the organizations that are created here. Crazy. I never noticed that before. And then you see, again, like such a valid shit come out of the scams. Crazy. And then you see sort of, again, you got to start incorporating what was going on at the time. There was a wave of nothing here. There was like nothing going on except all good times and a lot of potential growth because we saw the internet was just a nothing but good times back then. Everybody just got onto fast internet. So it looked like the future was, you know, all iced tea and, and sandwiches. Uh, then you get uh, organizations that took giant bites. Girl in a gun, shoot like a girl, ASA, well-armed women. I mean, give me a freaking break. FPC, the fuck? 2A, uh, PA2A, that dude's still doing stuff. One million moms, remember Rebecca Schmoy we were just talking about? Faster saves lives. Look at this shit. Um, then you get some stuff that happened. Every second matters, you know, garbage. Then you get uh, this dude. I think that's kind of a flyer uh let's see interesting interesting tony naga uh black guns matter kids safe armed and feminine 
San Diego gun owners. Give me a break. All that happens in 2015. Why? Because of circumstances, because of happenstance. Come on. Then you got another group of reaction. Uh, and then you've got interesting, 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 interesting. So I'm just saying it's super interesting when you look at it through the filter of those who came along and seen what was happening. And it was like, me too. And then you look at the people that were like, no, nah, we need something new. Wow, it's really neat when you look at it through that filter. So you're welcome. Thanks to our Patreons. I was able to throw all this stuff into this list. And it's listed, uh, what am I trying to say, uh, chronologically. So the stuff at the beginning of the list is oldest. Man, I'd really, I tried putting together a timeline a couple of times, but uh, there's so many ways you can put together a timeline. It would be interesting to put together a timeline based on what I'm just looking at now. And then adding to it, you know, I'm not adding to this even wars and shit. I bet you that has something to do with some of this too. But, uh, and then other social influences and things like that. But uh, I usually just put things in the perspective of when we're getting attacked as gun owners or our rights and the reactions to those attacks and the, uh, the shortages and some of the reactions to the shortages. And I guess internet, because I can't help think about how many of these were created when a time when you know, they were able to. Crazy. So with that, we'll end this one. We listen to this anyway. But uh, whatever. Every night we're going to go live, talk about 2A. Even though it's not a big moneymaker. We will uh, be back tomorrow to do a game show. Even though it's a game show, we focus it on 2A and gun stuff. So if you're interested, join us for that. If you ain't, then you wouldn't have listened to this anyway. So uh, I don't think anybody's listening to this. Nobody saying anything else. But thanks to the people who did show up tonight. If you are listening to this in the future, then thanks for listening all the way through. Feel free next time you're over grabbing the downloads to leave us some kind of thumb up or comment or whatever. That way we know which of these platforms it's worth posting on, especially if you're on one of those platforms where it's been intermittent. What? How do you know it's been intermittent? Because I quit posting it on some of the platforms. And every once in a while, I'll go back and post it again just to make sure. So if you're listening to one of those circumstances, it's probably even more crucial to link something down there or post something or what is it, a thumb up or a heart or a little shoe or whatever it happens to be. Click on it so that we know that it's worth uh, taking the time to include whatever platform you like when we're posting these things out. All right, with that, uh, we'll say thanks again to anybody who showed up live but nobody said anything, so I'm guessing they're all asleep. One of the... Uh, dangers, I guess, of doing a show in the middle of the night is that uh, everybody falls asleep, especially when you're only talking about 2A and you're not doing it in the most exciting way ever. These are the Patreons that make it possible for us to do what we do. Flipping their names up on the screen here on the way out. Maybe I'll start doing that more regularly, but I definitely do it on the way in because we do appreciate the time we're able to spend on this. Right. With that, we're out of here. Have a good one till tomorrow. Well, you can have a good one after tomorrow, too. I don't care. Have a good one always. How about that? Gearwebsites.com is your source for firearms-based playing cards and books. We also have mugs, shirts, and posters with designs that we've made live. Of course, we have patches. Every Friday is free patch Friday. We appreciate your support. Thank you for shopping at Gearwebsites.com. Tonight's episode, Photo Finish. Thank you.
thank you for supporting our projects. If you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee, check out our Patreon channel. The guys and gals at gunwebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thank you for watching gunwebsites.com. Cheat. Ninja? Ninja! Ninja!